The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. If you've got your Bibles, let's go Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, if you need a Bible, will you go ahead and raise your hand on up? Uh, we've got some of those coming around. Unfortunately, I do not have a page number for you today. So if you've got one of our Bibles and you're going to Ephesians 1, just, just shout that out. Uh, on mine, it's 976, but I don't think that's right in yours. Happy New Year. Good to see you guys back, uh, 2014. Ephesians 1, it starts out uh, just simply Paul uh, talking about uh, really who we are in Christ and, and, and what it means to be in Christ. I mean, he begins to go into things that says, uh, in Christ you have every spiritual blessing that is in him. He says, he says uh, that in Christ he predestined us as adoption as sons. And so in Christ we're sons uh, and daughters. It says in Christ we have redemption through his blood. In Christ he's lavished upon Upon us all wisdom and inside and in Christ uh, he's given us the purpose of his will in Christ he's given us the the sealing of the Holy Spirit for those uh, who are his in Christ but then Paul does something very unique uh, in, in the next uh, couple of phrases Ephesians 1 and 15 he says he, he begins to give uh, uh, some thankfulness he says he says I give thanks that you are in Christ but then he he gives a very um, pastoral, caring prayer for his church. Um, let, let's read it. It really hits home for me. He says, for this reason, this is verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And so now he's going to share uh, how he prays for the church. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom. And having the revelation and the knowledge of him, I pray that you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I pray that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that you would know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This time of year, really more than any other time of year, um, we begin to look back at um, the past. We, we, look, we look at the past year or uh, the past years. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I not only look back at 2013, but I look back on the past years uh, and I begin to examine really my life. And, and, and so when I do that, and, and I think that I can relate to some of you, when we do that, uh, we come up wanting Anybody else? We come up with, with this feeling of, of, of discontentment, right? And, and so I think that as, as we examine, we all will come up with that. We all will have this discontentment, this, this, this angst, this weight that's on us that says, you know what? 
In the last year, the last years, there's some things that I need to change. And so because of that discontentment, what do we do? We make New Year's, we make resolutions, we resolve to do things. We say, okay, well, I'm discontent in this area, I'm discontent in this area, I'm, I'm discontent with, with, with my life, I'm discontent with how much money I spent, I'm discontent with how much money I saved, I'm discontent with my success, I'm discontent with my relationships, I'm discontent with my job, and so this year, I'm going to make resolutions to fulfill whatever that discontentment is. Are you following me with that? And so, so we make these resolutions. And, and let, me, let me just clarify for you. Uh, resolutions are not bad. Actually, pretty, pretty good thing. When it comes to the Christian walk, when it comes to the Christian life and resolutions, uh, we do not make resolutions uh, based upon our own strength or our own power or our own ability or our own uh, uh, strength to be able to have this angst in us, to be able to do this thing, whatever this, this resolve is in us. And, and so as Christians, we don't, we don't try by our own strength to, to do this thing, but rather as Christians, it's birthed out of the strength of another. What I mean by that is that Christianity, the, the full foundation of what it means to follow Jesus, it, it's, not, it's not I have this ability to clean myself up, right? It's not I have uh, something in me or some ability to, to maybe pull myself up by the bootstraps, like I was a bad boy, but now I'm a good boy because I started doing the right things. And so Christianity is birthed not out of my own strength, but rather out of the Holy Spirit that, that lives in me. Not walking by my own flesh, but rather walking in the spirit. Are, are you following me with that? And so Christianity at its very soul, at the very purpose, is not just simply something that we can muster. It's, it, it's something else, rather. And so we begin to make changes. We begin to make adjustments, but we don't make those adjustments based on our own uh, abilities or willpower. Be, because Christianity is, is, means we walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And so we have faith that the strength of another, namely the Holy Spirit that came through Jesus Christ, we come to Jesus by faith saying, God, will you do in me? God, will you do through me? God, will you do even despite of me to resolve to make these changes in my life because there is death's Contentment, And so we live not on our own strength, but rather the strength of another. We live on the strength of Jesus. And the reason why that is, is, is so that God would get the glory. We live on the strength of, of another because God deserves and desires the glory, which is the greatest thing for us. Let me show you this. First uh, Peter 4, I think I've got it up here. 1 Peter 4, verse 11, 
He says, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs the glory, dominion forever. So, so whoever speaks, he does so not necessarily on his own power, but rather the strength that God has given him so that God would get the glory. Whoever serves, we don't just simply serve out of our own mustering, our own power, but rather the power that God gives gives us. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. And so, and so Paul, he's saying, he's saying, I work hard. Some of you, you need to make resolutions to work hard. But listen to what he says. He says, I work harder than any of them. Although it was not I, but it was the grace of God within me. And so we resolve to work hard, but rather it is on the strength of God. Uh, Philippians 2, 12, it says, work out your salvation. He, 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 says, he says, work out. This is where we get uh, the term uh, gymnasium, gymnasium. It's like to sweat or to strive or to work hard. We make resolutions to go to the gym and get fit and to sweat a little bit and hit the treadmill or hit the weights or whatever it is that you do in the gym or don't do in the gym, would like to do in the gym maybe, right? Uh, and, so, and so he says, he says, work out, work and fight and strive and, and press in. But, but this word salvation is not, is, is not this salvation uh, that we're justified before. This is, this is a sanctification. Uh, let me explain to you the difference so there's no confusion. We are made right before God through the work of Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. It is by grace we're saved through faith. There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. And so God sends us a savior and lives the perfect life that we cannot live to make us right before God. He, he received the due punishment that we deserve upon the cross, absorbing the wrath of God, raising to life, and then offering himself to you. Jesus Christ paid for sins and then he offers himself to you. And so by faith, we're justified before Christ. It's not by any works of our own. You understand that? So that no man can boast, there is no work of our own to make us right before God. It's only faith in Jesus Christ. And so why would Paul now say, work out your salvation? Is because there is a salvation that comes after justification, after we're made right before God, that makes us more and more and more and more like Christ. This idea of growing in righteousness, this growing in sanctification, this growing in to be more like him, more like God. And so we begin to see things be put away and new things begin to come and so that we are a new creation in him. And so here's the deal. He says, work out your Salvation, pursue, First Timothy 6, he says, pursue righteousness. Pursue it. Work hard at righteousness. Run after it, grab hold, sweat. How many of you know that righteousness just doesn't happen overnight? Anybody? Maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong room. Like, how many of you know that, like, holiness is not like you just wake up one morning and you're like, oh, man, everything that I always struggled with is now gone, and now I just love to just bask in the glory of God all the time. How many of you know that's a struggle? 
It's a workout. And so we work out. He says, work it out. Press into it. Press in to righteousness. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I tell you today, get a plan. Make resolutions, resolve, walk in the spirit. Don't walk on your strength, but ask God to fill you with more of himself, more of the spirit so that you would have power to walk in righteousness. And so get a plan, make a resolution, do those things. Make a plan for your family. Walk in righteousness. Because there is discontentment. Isn't there? I hope. I mean, there should be discontentment. I, I hope there's discontentment. Because here's the deal with discontentment. Is I believe that God places discontentment in every one of our hearts. I can't tell you how many times I've asked people, hey, uh, what can I pray for you about? I'm good. I'm content. I don't need anything from God. I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I'm okay. I pray that there would be discontentment because here's the deal. God places discontentment upon your hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, it says that eternity has been written on the hearts of men so that men would seek him. That's a paraphrase, all right? And, and so here's the deal. Is nothing temporary, nothing transient, nothing of this world can satisfy our hearts. And God did that in such a way that only something eternal, only a savior would be able to satisfy that. And so we would walk our lives, walk our world, chase these things, and they never seemed to satisfy. They would always leave us discontent until we found something eternal, namely Christ himself. And so there is discontentment that's given to us by God. Romans 8 says all of creation groans. All of creation is discontent. All of creation groans inwardly waiting for the adoption of sons that are in Jesus Christ. And so everything that you know, all of creation is just groaning with discontentment saying, Jesus, please come. Jesus, all of creation knows it needs a savior. Yet for some reason we deny it. I pray that there's discontentment. What about Hebrews 11? It says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things that are not yet. And so at the very root of our faith lies discontentment. Because if we didn't hope for anything, we wouldn't need faith. Are you, are you following that? And so, and so at the very root of God putting this angst in us is this discontentment. And so rooted in our faith is discontentment. And I pray that we would know discontentment. I pray that we wouldn't be complacent or apathetic because discontentment reveals the fact that we need a savior. Okay, hear me. Discontentment comes to reveal the fact that we continually need a savior. It's a continual Need for Jesus. Philippians 
It says, he who started the good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. He who started the good work in you will see it to completion. Let me tell you why that's phenomenal news for us. Because it means that God's not done with me. Amen? God's not done with you. I don't know where you came from or what you're going through or what circumstances in your life, but here's the good news, is God's not done. There's more. There's, there's more to be had. There's more that God wants to do. He who started the good work wants to see it, wants to push it forward, wants to complete it, and he will in those who are his. And so here's the problem is that some of us, were just not there yet. Because so many of us, we are so satisfied with things that money can buy. We're so satisfied with things that a man or a woman can provide. We're not there yet because we're so content with the things and the transient and the fleeting things of this world. We are so content with our situation that it leaves us not crying out for the infinite joy that's offered to us. We still think that the desires of our hearts are things that I can buy or things that I can find or success or power, relationships. And so we're so content. Listen to this uh, quote from C.S. Lewis, The Weight of Glory. He says that our desires are not too strong, but too weak. Here's here's what he says. It says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. You see, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum. Because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's it's like we're making mud pies when God offers us the beach. There is infinite joy to be had, but we're so we're so content. I pray that our desire would be found in Jesus Christ, that we would grow in him in such a way, that we would be rooted in him in such a way, that we would cling to him in such a way, that our faith would be so steadfast and perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, because God's not done. I pray that at the beginning of this year and through this year and next year and and 30, 40 years from now, we would know that God's not done, that there's more, there's more, and there's more of him to be had. Romans 11 says, oh, the depths of the riches that is God. Oh, the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable are his ways. Oh, if we would just know the riches of God. That we wouldn't be so content with, with junk of this world. That there would be more to say, God, I need you more. God, I need you more. That, that, that our hearts and our souls would cry out like it does in Ephesians 1. That we would know the depths of the riches. 
But here's the truth. That angst, that desire for us to long and want and seek, that is, that is nowhere within our nature. It's nowhere within us that we can muster up. And so once again, it leads us to the cross and says we need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need a new birth. We need a new life. We need to be born again. We need another filling of the Holy Spirit because somewhere along the line, I just don't, I don't, I don't have this angst that I can just muster up. And so we're asking God again on our knees and we're here today. And I believe that God is starting this in some of you that says, I need a Savior. I believe that in some of you today that God wants to start that good work and in others of you that God wants you to take a step to to the completing of the work of the cross. There is a great reward that comes from the cross. There is a great reward that comes from the suffering. There is a great reward that comes from the brutality. There is a great reward that comes from the death of Jesus when you think about the cross, what do you, what do you picture? Have you ever seen uh, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ? It, it's a visual, it, epic, I mean, it is a visual display of what happened. But if you were to, if you were to just right now, just kind of close your eyes or, or just simply picture. Picture Christ upon the cross What do you picture? When you think about Jesus and and the last hours of his suffering, what do you think of? I mean, do you think of the the blood running down his face from the crown of thorns that that were wedged into his skull? Do you think of his hands and his feet pierced with spikes? And do you think of the the fluids coming out of his side where he was stabbed with a sp- do you think do you think of the lashings upon his skin after being beaten with 39 lashings what do you think of well the question must be answered are you content with what he has of you. And he suffered for a purpose. I mean, what was that for? What was that, what was that suffering for? Why did he go through that? Why did, what did God purchase when he paid that price? The reward of his sufferings, number one, is the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7, I've got it up here. What he purchased is the forgiveness of sins. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, through his sacrifice, through his cross, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And so he suffered so that we could receive forgiveness through his blood. We also receive the justification by faith. Let me, let me show you this. Uh, Romans 5. Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, 
That's the justified. That's being made right before God. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look in verse verse 9. Since therefore we've been justified by his blood, by his sacrifice, by his crucifixion, since we've been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. And so the purchase that Christ suffered for us was the forgiveness of sins. The reward of Christ's suffering is the justification by faith, but it's also reconciliation with God. Look in verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. That means, that means God brought a peace to us where there is no peace. That we've been brought back to God. That there's a peace now by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. And so we've got the justification of faith, we've got the forgiveness of sins, we've got the, the reconciliation of God, but we also have the cleansing of our conscience. Look, look in Hebrews. How much more will the sufferings of Christ, the blood of Christ that was shed, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God to purify our conscience? From what? From dead works, trying to earn our way to God. To serve the living God. And so he cleanses our conscience. He gives us peace before God. The forgiveness of sins. Justification by faith. But he also, the penalty, the reward is the final victory over Satan in Revelation 12. Jesus will have victory. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. So by his death, by the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony... They love not their lives even unto death. So they've conquered Satan. There's victory over Satan. There's a cleansing of the conscience. There's reconciliation before God. There's justification by faith. And there's the forgiveness of sins. But so many want to stop there. Okay, you need to hear me now. So many Christians want to just simply stop there. We can't stop there. Because God doesn't stop there. Yeah, justific- that's, justification is wonderful. Reconciliation is excellent. A cleansed conscience, it brings freedom to my life. But God doesn't stop there. I plea with you today, don't stop there. Not today, not this year, not ever. Don't stop with just simply being justified. Look, look, at, look at what else The cross purchased. Acts 20, 28. He says, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's talking to the leaders of the church. And to care for the church of God. Now that church of God is the people. Okay? The church of God is the people in the church. The people who are his very own. Which he obtained. What did he obtain? The church. The people. He obtained the church 
with the blood of his own son. And so when we think about the cross and we think about the crucifixion, can we say in our hearts that these wounds were meant to purchase me? Can you, with a clear conscience today, when you look at the cross, you think about the sufferings, do you realize that the reward of that suffering was to purchase you? Can we resolve today that I am not my own, but I've been bought with a price? Do you get up in the morning and say, today I'm, I'm not my own. I, I belong to another. I've been bought with a price. There is a reward of Christ's suffering. And that's his people. That's his church. When you get up and you start every day and say, today I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to another. Can we say I will live every moment of every day so that the great purchaser of my soul, the one who paid the great price for me, will have his reward in full, namely me? Ephesians 5, look at this. You probably heard this at a wedding. Ephesians 5, 25, it says, Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Her meaning the church. Christ gave himself up for the church. He gave himself up. He sacrificed himself so that he might sanctify her. Christ suffered so that he might sanctify you. The church having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might, he suffered so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He died and suffered so that she might be holy and without blemish. And so what did Christ bleed to purchase what is the reward of his sacrifice? It, the beauty of his bride. Your righteousness and your holiness. Christ suffered so that we would pursue him in righteousness. The reward of Christ's suffering is the forgiveness of sins. It is, it, it, it is the reconciliation before God. It is the justification by faith. It is the cleansing of our conscience. It is victory over Satan. But the reward of his suffering is also your holiness and your righteousness. And he says, work out your righteousness, your sanctification with fear and trembling. Because his suffering is also our pursuit of becoming more like Christ. 
to present to himself his church without spot or wrinkle. She will be splendid at the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so it's my prayer this year and this day that we would be striving with all of our might to pursue him, to pursue holiness, to make resolutions, to walk away from this and walk into this, things that stir our affections for God. And I guess the question that I have for you is, are you striving with all your might to surrender to Jesus the reward of his sufferings? Are you withholding that? Are you withholding your sanctification? Are you withholding your pursuit of righteousness from him? Are you laboring to this end so that we would be holy and blameless, that we would pursue him so that we could grow in Christ's likeness? Are you still saying, I live for myself? I, I haven't been brought with a price. I, I, I'm doing my own thing, I'm playing my own game. I've been justified, yeah, that's fine, but my life is my own, and I'm going to chase my own passions, my own wants, my own desires. I've been bought with a price, and I am no longer my own. Does your heart beat with God's heart this morning? Are you pursuing the things in your life that Jesus died to obtain? Are you able to say this morning that there is nothing more that I want in my life than more of him? Are you making resolutions this year to say there's nothing I want more? Not more money, not a better job, not a better fitness level, but there's nothing that I want more than more of him. I need to know more of him. Or are we far too easily pleased with where we're at? I pray that we would be so discontent that we would just ask Jesus to fill us with more. And that would be a relentless pursuit of every day of our lives. I beg you, do not let God go in this moment until you can say from the bottom of your heart, Lord Jesus, there's nothing that I want more than what you bled, what you died to obtain from me. I want that. There's nothing that I want more. In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion, but before we do, the, the Bible tells us that we are to examine our hearts We need to look inwardly and say, hey, what am I chasing more than God? And so the band's going to come back up and they're going to play a few songs. But I want you not to just neglect this time. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, I need you. I want you. I want you to show yourself very clear to me. And I want you to stir these affections in my heart for you so that I would pursue holiness and righteousness in every way. And then we'll take of the bread and the cup together. In just a minute, but let me pray for you. Jesus, 
Lord, as we started today, Lord, we started with a, a prayer that says, I need you. We started with, with this longing in our hearts that says, I don't want to be content. I don't want to be satisfied. Lord, I need you. Lord, when I look back at the year or the past years or even the last week or days, Lord, I know that that I'm discontent if I was honest. Well, Lord, at the root of my faith is a longing that only you can satisfy. So today, Lord, I know that you're drawing some to you for the first time. And some are realizing their continual need for you every day. And so today, I pray that we would not let go until we grab hold of you and we can say with our hearts, there's nothing I want more. God, I need you to intercede for that because there's nothing in me that would say that with my own strength. So fill us today with your Holy Spirit. Fall upon us so that the cries of our hearts would say, I want you more. I need you more. Do something in my life. Do something in my moment. Do something in my family. Do something with my kids, God. I want to give them all to you. I want to give my life and my world to you because I need you. Today, may we take that step of faith towards you, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you right now, you just need to confess. You need to repent. You need to talk to God. He needs to hear your voice. Maybe you haven't, maybe he hasn't heard your voice in a long time. Let's not neglect this.